Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Frontline. How are we doing in the room today? Good. It's been awesome worshiping with you this morning. The band just did an incredible job leading us. Uh, I'm really, can we just say thank you to them one more time? I mean, that was just, that was just a powerful, that was powerful for me. Um, I've never come up to start preaching sweating this much, so I apologize in advance, especially for those of you watching online. Uh, We moved the camera up this week, so you're a lot closer, and I apologize for the detail that you can probably see now. So good to be with you. I haven't been up here in a while, but I can't wait to jump into what we're talking about today. And to do so, I need to ask you a question, and the question goes like this. Have you ever missed something obvious, even when it was right in front of you? Have you ever missed something obvious? Some of you have refrigerators that look like this, and you can't find the ketchup. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is me. I'm not going to look at my wife right now, but she would laugh because all the time, Shan, where is this thing? And she's like, open your eyes. It's literally right in front of you. It happened this morning. I was looking for my coffee mug. It was in the spot that it always is, but I opened it up, didn't see it, moved on, cupboard to cupboard to cupboard to cupboard. I looked through all of them and I went, where did she put my mug? And I went back to the original spot where it was supposed to be and there it was. So I went, Lord, didn't need that this morning, but that's what happened this morning. What about this one? For those of you that are married, guys, is it fair to say stereotypically, sometimes we're not the best at details? Is that fair to say? Okay, you're gonna agree with me when I say this next thing. Have you ever not noticed or missed it when your wife got a haircut? Doesn't that feel like a video game where like you just died and now you're trying to figure out how many levels back you are? Like that's what it feels like to me. It's like, ah, nuts, details, got me again. What about this though? What about, have you ever missed needs that are right in front of you that maybe you didn't see? Like this one. Have you ever missed anxiety or depression in somebody else that should have been right in front of you, but you missed it? Or some other underlying issue or problem or need that you should have seen, and in hindsight, you go, I don't know how I missed that, but I, I missed it, and it was right in front of me. What about marriage? Oftentimes, I think people, I just think about this last year, as a church, we've heard from more marriages that are struggling over the last year than in any other point as far or as long as I've been in ministry. You ever, you ever just catch yourself, maybe as a parent, maybe as a spouse, maybe as a child, and you look at your marriage or somebody else's marriage and you go, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that bad. Like I didn't see that need in my kids' marriage like that. I didn't see that need in my marriage. I didn't see that in my parents or others around me. What about this one? This one just moves me. Do you ever miss the needs of people that are right in front of us, like on the street? With signs, just asking for help. Is it possible that some of us have become so accustomed with seeing needs and brokenness that we actually miss them, even though they're right in front of us? Today, we're continuing on this series that we've been in, but I'm going to tell you the whole premise, the whole focus of today's message is about seeing, 
seeing, opening our eyes to see things that we can't see, even though they're right in front of us. What we've said before, this is our vision for our church. Our vision is not done until we see zero people unchanged by Jesus. Our vision as a church is not done, not, not to grow a big building, not to grow a big church, not to grow a big space. Our vision is not done until we see zero people in our context or our community that are unchanged by Jesus. And today we're talking about one of those five zeros that we have here that guide our church. And today's zero is this one. It's zero needs among us. It is impossible for us to meet needs that we can't see. So I want to ask a question just to tee us off right before we jump into the text. And the question goes like this. What if you can't yet see the greatest need that God is inviting you to meet? What if you can't yet see the greatest need that God is inviting you, calling you, coaxing you to step into? What if the problem is you just can't see it yet? Brian talked last week about Acts 16. Paul and Silas are traveling around. They're starting this movement. God prevented Paul and Silas from going one direction. God actually led them to a different direction. He, he headed them towards Europe. And so as they step into Europe, there's not a lot of uh, Jews that are even there. We're going to find that out in the story here. But, but Paul and Silas eventually got arrested. And so that's what Brian talked about last week. They got arrested. They went to jail. And they actually led the jailer to Christ. But what we're going to talk about today is how they ended up in jail. It's so funny. How they ended up in jail was they met a need that they weren't supposed to. Check this out. Acts 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Catch this. By a female slave who had a spirit. I just want to ask this. Does the spirit have her or does she have the spirit? I think the spirit has her. She's a slave. Not just physically, but also spiritually. It says she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she has owners. She has masters. She has people that have, that have taken her. They've taken her captive. They've extorted her. They've used her. They've objectified her. And they're gaining profit from her. This is the person that Paul and Silas encounter as they're coming in. And the place of prayer, as we talk about that, I, I want to set the scene so you understand. The place of prayer where they're at is a public park. It's by the river. So there's a lot of other people there. What Paul and Silas would have normally done is they would have walked into the local synagogue. This would be where people would gather together. They would read scripture. They would worship. They would pray. So there was not a synagogue. That's how tiny the movement, the Jesus, was, the Jesus movement was at this point. As they walk in, do you know what you needed to create a synagogue in these times? Ten Jewish men. So it was so small, so tiny, they walk into a public park, a public place where people are praying, people are meeting, people are gathering, but there's not yet even ten males to establish or warrant the need for a synagogue. So Paul and Silas encounter this slave girl. Let's keep reading, verse 17. It says this, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days over and over and over. This is a weird story. I'm going to tell you up front. This is a weird story because Paul and Silas, as they're moving and traveling and starting this movement, planting churches, trying to reach people, they come in and the spokesperson that they do not want has volunteered for the role. And it's this girl. 
And so she's traveling around and she's going in front of him and she's going, these men are sons of the most high God over and over and over and over and over again for days, for days. Keep in mind, this girl as described by the text as a spirit, a demonic spirit living inside of her. There's this weird contradiction, weird tension going on and she takes ownership of being their ambassador. Do you think they like that? Would you like that? No. Are you ever annoyed by people's needs? Are you ever annoyed by the needs of other people? I was thinking about this just in preparation. Are you ever annoyed at the person at the intersection that asks for money? Are you ever annoyed at the family member that's extremely emotional at gatherings, family events, it's like a roller coaster, they're hard to please. Do you ever get annoyed at their need? Do you ever get annoyed at the problem child at school or the neighbor that drives you crazy? This girl annoyed Paul and Silas. Here's how we know. Finally, Paul became so, say it with me, annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. How long was she invisible to the people around her because they had gotten used to seeing her need? I reached out to a a group of 10 women in preparation for today's message uh, that are here. They go to our church. Some of them are in the room even right now because I stumbled upon this picture in my sermon prep that actually changed my heart. In fact, it, it changed the sermon. I was scrolling through. I was doing research and learning, like teach me about the context, teach me about this girl. And one website I visited, this giant picture was right up front and it grabbed my attention. And I've wrestled with whether or not I should show it to you. And here's why, here's why I wrestled. For most of you in the room, it's gonna make you uncomfortable. That part doesn't bother me. In fact, I want to create discomfort for what I'm about to show you. But there's another group of people in here that won't be uncomfortable, they'll be triggered. And that's why I really debated. I went, should I show it or should I not show it? Of the 10 women that I reached out to, four of them responded and they said, that picture takes me back to a specific moment in my own life. And all four of them said, you need to share that. So I'm gonna show it to you. The slave girl in the story, when you see her, it changes the story. What does that do to you? The longer I sat with this photo, the deeper it affected my soul. Because I I start looking at her eyes, I start noticing her age, I start getting protective, I start, you notice the hands that are holding her The longer I look at it, the more it changes me. I've read this story a thousand times growing up. 
I've heard it before. This is the first time I ever felt like I saw her. How many people with needs are in our context or our community or our workplaces or our families or our lives in which we become so accustomed to seeing their needs that they then become invisible? I want to share some needs with you that exist here in Grand Rapids. As I told you at the beginning, the, my one desire, my one hope for you today is that you would walk away seeing differently. So in Grand Rapids, uh, in July of 2020, there was a trafficking survivor that came to our city, a human trafficking, sex slavery trafficker, or, or former person that was in trafficking, came to our city to interview people on the street to find out what the state of trafficking is in Grand Rapids. And here's what they found. They interviewed 242 individuals last year in July, and 89% of them reported being controlled by a trafficker, a gang, or organized crime. That's a ton. What about this one? In foster care right now, there's 13,000 kids that are in Kent County today. For child hunger, Hand to Hand is one of our partners as a church, and over the last year, 6,700 kids have been reliant on Hand to Hand for food, especially food on the weekends, despite the additional care and inflow of support that came from the government over the last 18 months. 6,700. And then this one, this one moves me. I mean, they all move me, but this one does too. This Heartside Park downtown, and the tents are set up. Do you ever wonder, have you ever said the statement, like, why don't they just go to a shelter? Well, I didn't know this. The average waiting list right now in our city is 115 families long to get your whole family into a shelter. And many families are often forced with separating or doing this. I didn't know that. In fact, I, I walked in this week, and there was a family, there were four of them, who were living in their car, they had been evicted, and they were asking our staff for help. Isn't it amazing how your heart changes when you can see? I didn't know about those. But I think it's incredible how intentional God is about bringing people with needs in front of us. You know, Paul and Silas, it says they were annoyed at the girl. I, I don't think they were annoyed because they were jerks. I really don't. Actually, I think they were annoyed because they knew what it was about to cost them. Look what happened. Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So think about this. They live in a culture and a society and a context not in which slavery is just permissible. It's punishable if you interfere with it. So they grab Paul and Silas, they drag them to the authorities, and then this is what unfolds. 
It says they brought him before the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Here's what's wild. They were Roman citizens, Paul and Silas were. What they were doing to Paul and Silas was illegal. But Paul and Silas said nothing because there's a cost there's a cost when we step in to meet needs. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. The jailer that we talked about last week, that Paul and Silas were able to lead to the Lord. It says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. There's a weird tension throughout this entire story and this entire passage that plays off of physical need versus spiritual need. The girl was in bondage physically and spiritually. As Paul and Silas step in and release her spiritually, she still remained physically bound. So did they do the right thing or did they not? Of course they did. An integral part of following Jesus is stepping into needs, both physical and spiritual. Oftentimes, we as the church or we as the American church, it's like we, we think we need to pick situations only in which both of them exist, or we really emphasize one instead of the other. Some of us, we have a tendency to just move towards, I want to meet physical needs. I care about the physical, the physical, the physical, and, and God will work out the rest through the spiritual. And so we just focus on, on physical and miss the spiritual. Others say, I just care about the spiritual needs and the spiritual brokenness, but I'm ignoring or not seeing or ignorant to the physical needs. What we're called to do as followers of Jesus is to step in to both. And for no other reason other than Jesus did that exact same thing for us. Like, you know what moved Jesus to the cross was our needs, both physically and spiritually. I just want to hit pause for a second and just ask you to take an inventory. What needs do you have right now? Are they physical in nature? Are you in need of healing? Are you in need of peace? or a release from anxiety, depression? Is there financial need? Is there safety need? What, what need do you have or do you feel or do you experience right now physically? I'm willing to bet all of us have something. But then I want to move to the other side and say, what need do you have spiritually right now? Is it a need for community? Is it a need for forgiveness? Is it a need for grace? Is it a need for a relationship with Jesus? Is it a need for peace? What needs do you have in your life right now? Those needs are what drove Jesus to the cross. And he took it willingly not just to die a physical death for you, but to pay for your sin spiritually. So both physical and spiritual drove Jesus to the cross. Jesus resurrected from the dead, just like we had talked about. And then Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, here's what I'm commanding you to do. The exact same thing. 
that you're going to go into all, in, go into all the world. You're going to make disciples and you're going to teach them to obey everything I've commanded to step into the physical needs and the physical brokenness and the spiritual needs and the spiritual brokenness. That's his plan A for his church. That's what he started. That's what he's left us with. That's why we do this today. It's never just about come and gather. It's about come and gather and then be sent right back out. That's why we exist as a church. Acts 2.42, I love this. It says all the believers were gathered together and a lot of them sold all that they had and it says none of them in that community, none of them in that church or in their small groups, whatever, had need. None of them. Matthew 25, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done for me, for the homeless, for the hungry, for the orphan, for the widow. Jesus is saying, whatever you do for one of these, you are doing for me. So we as the church are called to step into needs on behalf of our Savior. He's invited us to step in together. Because let's be honest, we can't meet everybody's needs. There's some things we're not equipped to do. But the true provider of our needs is the same true provider of everyone else's needs that God continues to bring in front of us. And so what we're called to do is step in and do what we can and point them to Jesus. That's our role as the church. That's what we need to be known for as the church. Is a group that when everybody else ignores, or when everybody else turns a blind eye, or when everybody else plays ignorance, we step in. In. This last week, uh, this is really funny, I had a lunch, and uh, on my way to this lunch, like, I'm, I'm thinking about this sermon. Like I told you, it's been on my mind for a couple weeks, and so I've been thinking about it, and, and then I saw that image, and it really started changing me, and so I started wrestling with the question of, like, what, what am I not seeing? What am I not seeing? So I, I was driving to lunch and I was pulling into the restaurant and right on the corner, it was a busy road uh, and then this restaurant. And so I'm pulling in and there's a guy sitting there right on his walker and he looks at me and he makes eye contact with me and he waves. And so as I'm driving past, you know, I, I wave to him and I, I pull in and I park. I walk into the restaurant. I'm waiting for the other person to arrive. And so they come in and then I'm sitting there and I'm eating lunch. And where I was sitting, I had a perfect view of that man, and I watched him for an hour. I mean, how do you not, when, it, when, the, when God's stirring your heart, like, you need to see, you need to see, you need to see, see the need, see the need. All of a sudden, it's like, it's glaringly obvious I'm watching, and I'm watching car after car after car after car after car just pass right by. And so I'm just stirred. I'm going, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know, what do you want me to do? I just felt like, like God gave me the opportunity to buy him lunch. That's it. A couple dollars. And so I went, okay, you know, so now I'm excited. Then I start getting, you know, weird. I'm like, okay, Lord, let me be the guy. Let me be the one. I want to be the one. Everybody else keep driving so I can walk in. God's like, no, nah, you're not quite getting it. I pull over. I get the lunch. I drive over. I park right next to him. I get out of the truck, and he surprised me. I said, what's up, man? What's your name? And he goes, my name's Jason. I said, sweet, Jason, what's up? Like, you hungry? I bought you lunch. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. And he goes, I saw you an hour ago. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you saw me an hour ago? Now I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't like this anymore, Lord. <laughs> he goes, I saw you an hour ago. And I said to myself, I know he'll be back. 
And I said, why? And he said, because I saw you see me. There's a, one of the women that responded about that picture earlier. She told me the story recently of her asking a woman downtown Grand Rapids, what do you need? Like, can I get you a new stroller? Do you need a coat? What, what do you need? And the woman's response to her was this, just let people know that we're here. There's a great hunger and desire to be seen. And I looked at Jason and I said, Jason, this isn't from me. This isn't from David. This is from God. And I want you to know he loves you and he cares about you and he's going to provide for you and he sees you. And he said to me, I know he does. Somebody in first service came up to me and she said, I know him. I was like, great. <laughs> because he's half of a mile down our road. He's right on the intersection in front of Meyer. And she said she did the exact same thing. And she said, what blew my mind is God's been stirring in this guy's heart. And he's working, not just through the physical needs, but through the spiritual needs that his church, people in our church are being sensitive to and aware of and are stepping in. God is so intentional about bringing needs before us and allowing us the opportunity to step in. God is the great provider of all of our needs. I stumbled upon this quote. It just made me laugh this week. Um, it says this, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Do you like that as much as I do? The whole point was this. Oftentimes when we see needs, we see brokenness, we see homelessness, we see poverty, we see hunger, we see trafficking. What we want to do is we want to step in and we want to see it all change. And then we get frustrated or we get angsty or even before that, before we step in, we go, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to start. I'm going to do it poorly. I might screw it up. I might, I might enable or I might empower somebody to do something that they shouldn't do. And so we, we talk ourselves out. What I love about this quote is it's freeing. It says anything worth doing is worth doing poorly because you got to start somewhere and you got to take a step and you got to be obedient and you got to learn about the relationship between you and God and how he's called you to meet needs for other people. So my encouragement to you this week, would you just do it? As poorly as you do, just do it. I'm right there with you. Just step in and just say, I, I, I'm just here as an ambassador of the one who meets my needs physically and spiritually. Here's how I want to close. It's just this. This week, I want us to pray for God to give us eyes to see. This has changed my life the last couple weeks. It's like when, when you ask God, God, would you allow me to see your kingdom and where it's at work? It's like it blows my imagination and it hurts my heart. So what we're going to do today is we're, we're going to pray as we close here in a second. And then the second one is this. Would you take ownership of the needs that God brings before you and try to meet him? All too often, we push the, the obligation or the ownership of needs on someone else. We see someone homeless and we say there's shelters for you. We see someone hungry and we say there's programs for you. 
We see someone hurting and we say there's a counselor for you. All of those things are great things, but, but we need to take ownership for the needs that God places right in front of us. So you know, how, how is God inviting me to step in and to meet this need on his behalf? Because really he's inviting us in and inviting us to experience how he is meeting people's needs, even right in front of us when we can't see it. So let's pray together, can we? God, we just come before you today and we just pray for eyes to see. We just pray for eyes to see your kingdom where it's at work and we pray for eyes to see the needs that exist right in front of us. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see people at work to see people at home in our family, to see our kids, to see, to see friends of our kids in classrooms. You'd open our eyes to see the needs, the poverty, the despair right in front of us, the emotional needs that are in front of us, the brokenness that's right in front of us. Would you just open our eyes, Father, and invite us to step into these needs just like you did on our behalf. You are so good. You are a loving Father. You care for us. Nothing moves your heart like, like, like your people. And so I just pray that, that you would give us eyes to see like you see, but you give us the heart that you have for these people as well. Because it's us. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see each other and to see ourselves. God, would you move would you stir, would you raise up, would you equip, would you empower and embolden us to step into the areas of brokenness and allow your Holy Spirit to work through us to bring about your kingdom here on earth. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful and powerful and holy name. And everyone said,